0: I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts,
1: Micah and Josiah Keneally.
0: Well, welcome everybody to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching the next generation in our world today. I'm Micah, and this is my co-host.
1: Hey guys, I'm Josiah. What's going on?
0: Well, what's going on is the sun is not shining, but it's not 40 below up here. So we are rocking in Minnesota right now. It is about January of 2020. So welcome to the new year. If you are just tuning in and you've never heard of young adults today podcast, you just found this episode, go back and listen to the other 150 we have coming out or out already for you. And you can know more about us because what happens every Monday, Josiah?
1: Well, we want to help you start your week out strong every week. And so thanks for listening, for subscribing, reading, leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. And the thing about it is, is new content drops every Monday morning early. And today we're joined by our newer friend, Ron Edmondson. Ron, welcome to the show. How are you?
2: Well, thanks for having me. I'm I'm doing great. Uh, You were talking about Not 40 Below. I love where you live, by the way. I love that area of the country. Spent a lot of time up there. Um, But we're we're not that cold either, but we got a lot of snow on the ground, so y'all would feel right at home today.
0: I love it.
1: <laughs> I saw your Instagram story, and I don't know how many inches that was, but it looked like you actually might have more snow than us as yeah. of today. Like, as it's of not like-
2: very many. It looked like it, just because I took the picture before a lot of tracks were made in it. But it's it's uh, it, it, this was a smaller snow. But I'm in Lexington, Kentucky right now as uh-huh. as we record this, and there's a fair amount of snow here uh, this this month. We've been here so I'm living part-time Lexington, Kentucky, part-time Nashville, permanently Nashville, and uh, we've had more snow this month. In fact, there, we set a record in Nashville, at least for the number of snows this, this so far this year. So
0: my gosh, well, you're, you're enjoying the bluegrass state and we're up here. Well, enjoying all these lakes and water and, love and life and anything else we can do in or on the water so So much frozen or (laughs) non-frozen
2: and beautiful country
1: it really is it really is and and for the listener we just want to introduce you to ron Um, for over 20 years he's been a consultant and coached he's helped thousands of leaders and organizations um, whether it's in senior ministry leadership roles, uh, pastoring churches, or serving as the CEO of the leadership network. He's planted two churches. He's successfully revitalized three and has experience in business, government, and nonprofit. His leadership blog, I highly recommend. Just found this out prepping for this, but it's the top six leadership blogs in 2021. Doesn't surprise me, but congrats on that. And Ron, we just thought we'd kick things off. You have a wealth of knowledge and experience in business, in leadership, in ministry, in government, like your bio says, um, and in church work. But can you just maybe share some of your um, steps along the way or mile markers of your journey of life, leadership, and ministry?
2: You know my my resume is is long and it's mostly long because I am not good at keeping a job. I can get a job really (laughs) well. I mean I can like get a job so quickly, and then they find out who I really am and I just can't keep it. So I've I've had 29 different jobs in my career, which is kind of kind of crazy. Sound like a millennial almost, and yet uh, I'm actually not. I'm a baby boomer, Um, but uh, and that was semi joke. Sorry, just to throw millennials under the bus there, but you do tend to, you know, skip around a little bit the more variety. than, yeah, the variety. And I like you can it. relate with us. I, I can, totally. I, I love it. So uh, I started, le- my leadership journey started in high school. Um, I was a uh, student council president and all that, and student body president, and had some, uh, my principal in high school, I, I, I attribute him to probably helping to set my course of wanting to, be a leader. Uh, he was a retired colonel and from the army. I was I grew up in a military town, and he um, he just really spoke into my life and saw some things in me and and then I had a number of people in when I was in the business world speaking to my life uh, and you know and then the Lord called me into vocational ministry at the age of 38. We had a middle school uh, and an elementary. Uh, we have two boys and they were in middle and elementary school at the time. And, and it's just been, a it's, it's, every, every piece of my life, at least from a leadership journey has a long story behind it of how God just, you know, moved in that moment, provided opportunities, intersected us with the right people at the right time. And, and, uh, and we've just, uh, we, so we, we've, we've had a great journey in leadership, um, love it. You want me to expand on any of that?
0: No, that's so Um, good. If you want to unpack anything along the way, feel free to do that. I know that you have many years of experience and for the listener, just so the listener can tune in, like they are just starting out maybe in their career um, in ministry, maybe they're a high, high level capacity volunteer within a church or the Um, campus they're on or wherever so if you can speak into anything specific with that we would absolutely love that and maybe just expound upon the fact that many young adults are starting something new we know the next generation Mm -hmm. is very entrepreneurial Um, some of the millennials are kind of entrepreneurs as well in different facets and stuff but for the leader who may be just starting out something anything from ground zero don't have a budget scraps on the table like really like really realizing like what do I have aside from the talent and the burden that God has given me to do X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z? What insight can you offer that person who may be listening today, who's really in that start of a new beginning?
2: Well, a couple of things. And I'm blessed to know, I mean, blessed because you gave me some questions in advance. I knew this question was coming in. As soon as I saw that, and I didn't have a lot of time, I'm a multitasker. So I was in another meeting and I was going through your your questions and jotting some notes down, and I came up with three words: timing, teaming, and training. Gosh. And um, uh, the timing is so incredibly important. When you launch something, you launch too soon. You you can uh, launch too late. That opportunity cost that we use in the business uh, world. Um, I like to use the phrase "caged momentum." So i i I want to I want to cage that momentum that I've got as long as I possibly can without losing the momentum because I'm going to be better at the launch if I wait long enough we uh for instance in our our, our second church uh that we launched uh was was uh was a faster launch than the first one because we caged that momentum we took sev- uh, 17 months to launch so from idea to actually launch so that may be it, uh and that was we probably could have done it a little quicker, but what we did there was uh, build a lot of momentum. So the, 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 uh, we caged the momentum because our people were so ready to go, but we, we, we built up that momentum to the point that it launched big. And uh, so that timing is so important. And then the teaming is just the people you surround yourself with are incredibly important. Um, I've talked to a lot of church and, and I will typically speak to church planners. We've also uh, had, we've started, um, I have started, I always say we, because uh, just as you and you two are a team, my wife is a team with me. She's not here beside of me right now because she's having Thai food right now, Ooh. but, um, is what I understand. But the, um, uh, but she's always right there with me. Obviously we've launched businesses as well. So the, they work there uh, also, but the the people you surround your, yourself with are so important. And I've talked to some church planners specifically, specifically that are just looking for warm bodies and warm bodies are fine. If you j- are just trying to build the crowd, but they're not the right ones to put on your, on your launch team. And so um, if you're going to have conflict with them, on the in the beginning stages, you're going to have a lot more conflict with them down the road. And the hardest part is turning people down because they're not good fits for that initial launch team and um, or finding the right ones. And I always say, if God has put a burden on your heart to launch this, he's also putting it on other people. And you've got to find people that have that, that equal burden to you. And that's part of maybe slowing down the launch at the same time. So that that teaming is so important. Uh, there are three T's you see, and this will be a blog post for me down the road. And so thanks for, you know, triggering that in my mind as well. Uh, but then the last one is the training and that's training the team. That's why you're also delaying the launch, but also training yourself and learning that, uh, the, the worst thing you can do is just throw out a launch and you don't know enough. You don't know what you don't know. And so the more you can get, the right people around you and learn from them and before you launch the better off you're going to be now there is a there's a window there too again if if you're going to lose interest if you wait too long and the market is going to change so you know you're not going to be as um, there's a reason god wanted to launch that if he put it in your heart so that you want to get it out off the ground obviously but again uh timing teaming and training that's my three words
1: And that speaks to me so deeply for each of those reasons. And I just think of like, I'm 30 years old at the time of recording this. And I think of some of the mistakes. Are you going to have a
2: birthday before it comes out? No. No. So you're 30 years old. 30. Yeah. (laughs) And I
1: just think of like some of the ministries that God's had us start or work on. I get excited about an idea and it becomes all consuming and I've made some probably mistakes by not caging the momentum. Cause I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then you talk about (laughs) teaming. I think of some of the errors that I've made have been mistakes of because people asked to serve or they were there Mm -hmm. and it might not have been the right fit as, as Timothy talks about, like they started too soon or, or they, we, meaning me, me, I laid my hands on them for leadership too soon. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there's another way to learn that, um, unless you hear Ron tell you, but like, sometimes we need to, to learn and to grow and experience Mm -hmm. and make that mistake early on to then course correct. But we,
2: we get ahead of the Holy spirit sometimes, you know, and, and God, um, God never works on our timing. He always works on his timing. And we see that in our individual lives and the Holy spirit works that way as well. And so while he's working in your heart and our heart to on this idea, he's also working in other people's hearts and we have to allow that process and the Holy spirit to work because he may be shaping them and they're not quite ready, but they have to be a part of this. And so the, the more we can uh, give that over to the Holy spirit to shape the timing, the, the more successful we'll be in that.
0: I love that you incorporate the Holy Spirit in the in the process of the momentum, the caged aspect of things, the timing, the training, as well as the looking around who are the teammates that are coming alongside and Ron, I'm curious to see, this is off script, but a lot of young leaders, um, we hold things very closely. Like Mm. God gave me this dream. God gave me this, God spoke this, um, whatever he's called us to sometimes we hold that so close that we let fear dictate and become one of the idols within our leadership of fear of telling people our dreams, fear of somebody taking our idea and running with it, fear of, I don't know, losing their, their role or the position of a church or an organization or a nonprofit. And I would just be curious, like, how do we, how do we truly come into leadership, hands down, open to the Holy spirit, even in the um, casting vision process, because in the the timing, the, t- the timing, the teaming and the training we have to continually like, cast vision to the people that are surrounding us. So a 17 month project, how do they not lose interest? And how do we take people there with us when they are like revving their engines and their house, their horsepower is like, needs to get out of the cage. Cause they want to use the giftings God's given them. How do we manage that caged momentum when it is incorporating fear and just casting vision? Like that's a recipe for success or disaster. What can you say about that?
2: It's true. Well, that, that was about four questions and I'm, I'm, I'm writing those down as I, I love it, though. They're all great questions. Uh, I, the first thing I would say in, you know, when God gave you this idea, God uh, birthed this in your heart, I'd probably change the script on that a little bit, that God loans you the idea because it's still God's idea and he can take it away at the same time. Um, and, and we, we see that throughout scripture where, you know, if, 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 uh, he's going to birth his idea, if it's God's idea, it's going to be birth, you could, uh, you know, you could fall off the map tomorrow and he's still going forward right. and he wants to do it with you. He did it with Jonah. He kept coming, you know, Jonah didn't get a new plan, but, uh, but he's going forward with the idea, even if, if you back out. So he loans you the idea. And and so you have to ask the question: Whose idea is this? If it came from God, it's His idea, not yours. And so, uh, the more you give that over over to Him, if He owns it, then it's okay for me to bring other people along because He's probably loaned it to them as well. And that's why that's why you are waiting for Him to birth that in other people's heart. Uh, and we have to guard our hearts against. Against that, what you, what you, before we began this, you prayed, you know, uh, I can't remember exactly your words, but you know, that we would build his kingdom, not our own. And, and I think that's exactly right. Who, who owns the idea and who, uh, who gave, whose idea was it? Who owns the idea and who's going to own it when all this is built? And, and the, when we put it back in the hands of who actually owns it, then it's not as, as hard for me to give the, the vision away because it's not mine to start with. It's the same way when you're raising kids. And by the way, I love watching your kids. I'm friends with Josiah on, uh, and I have a, uh, kids, your age, and I have grandkids, your age, the age of yours. And so I'm loving that, you know, my kids don't post enough pictures of, of grandkids. So I get to to see your some too. So that's that's <laughs> just helpful to me. I'm just letting you know that uh, I watched you dance with them last night uh, in the supermarket or whatever, wherever you were. And so, thanks for doing that. It, it yeah. bless my heart because my kids were lazy and didn't do that yesterday. But um, but it it is uh, the same way we do with our kids. You know, they're not ours. We right. know that, right? And so they're on loan to us. And God gets to shape their hearts and their lives the way he will. And the same way with the ideas that he gives us. So I would put that, but as far as keeping people on board throughout the the cage momentum and all that, it really boils down to a couple of things. One, you're casting vision to them when you recruit them, and then you're going to keep casting vision to them until you launch. And so you're going to keep them motivated by continuing to cast the vision. The other thing I would say is you're, um, uh, because let's say you're launching a church, it could be a ministry, it could be a church, but let's say it's a church because we can, most of us can get our arms around that idea. Just the fact that you're not going to publicly launch for 17 months doesn't mean you're not going to be active during that 17 months. True. And so you're going to, you may have actual church services. So we took 17 months to launch. That's where that came from. It was an actual date, but we were having church services along the way. And some of those were closed. Some of them we began, okay, you invite your friends to this. Some of them were mini launches and that sort of thing. So it wasn't, we weren't doing anything. We were just pulling that, reining that in, same way a business does when they have the soft launch versus the real launch. So you're testing the systems, you're testing your own hearts. So along the way, you're continuing to keep people engaged through through various activities and and uh, vision casting. I
1: love picking your brain about leadership around right now, because I'm reminded of totally this applies to a church, whether it's a church plant, church revitalization. This also applies to a ministry like young adult ministry or a campus ministry on a campus or within the local church. And I'm reminded of the job that I had all through high school and college. I was there eight years and um, one year in we were in a strip mall, the city of Egan tore down that strip mall and paid the owner of the mm-hmm. company to relocate to Burnsville one city over. And I remember learning from John Vanderarty, great leader. He, he actually never had a grand opening.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He started with a soft mm-hmm. opening and so many people had like, I remember this, this was in 2007. So many people had like emailed in, or I think Facebook was maybe just getting started. And so many people were like asking about it, that there was this buzz Mm -hmm. that talk about cage momentum, just from another angle. I forgot he, I would have been like, when's the grand opening? And us as staff were like, when's the grand opening? And he's like, we're just doing a soft opening. We got to make sure this is all new equipment. I don't want to put out a bad name, a bad reputation. And the business has been wildly successful for all those years.
2: Years ago, I was in retail and we used to have something called Moonlight Madness sales. And uh, we would close for two or three hours and we would literally take, butcher paper and put it over the windows and say, close to mark down or whatever, moonlight madness cell, it's opening at six and people would line up at the doors and they would literally try to peel back paper or something to, to peek in, you know, and then they would flood in. And I don't know that that would work today because, uh, because of Amazon doesn't, you know, they, Amazon could put a post, they could put that on their web. I'm going to, suggest that they put that over their homepage and then they, and I, I don't know, I, I, my mind works that way. So I'm going in a different direction, yep. but we could, uh, we would, the point of that was it was that we were holding people off and there were times where there wasn't a whole lot changed, but the, the idea was we built the momentum for when we opened so that it would be exciting. That's fun. It is.
1: It is fun. It's, it's amazing. And so here's the other group of people listening, Ron, is maybe people who just went through a great resignation or they took over an existing ministry and they have a desire to strengthen that, to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of taps into your experiences of re a church or revitaliz- revitalizing it. And it might be existing. Mm-hmm. It might not look like their dream or their hopes or their aspirations, but what would you tell them about like, strengthening things going to the next level and um, just even sustaining it
2: Yeah so that's a great question I think there I think you have to ask bigger questions on the front end. Um, so first you have to ask yourself um, what do you have to work with and who do you have to work with those are so go back to the same th- uh, principle of the launch because it's very very similar so the the timing the teaming the, the training what do you have to work with? Because what you have to work with is going to greatly determine what you do in the in the relaunch or the revitalization. Uh, if uh, it could be that you just need to build something in the margins, so what you have is not bad. You just need to build something in the margins, take it to a new level. It could be you need to add something onto what you're currently doing. So maybe you need to add another. You know, uh, you, you concentrate on these two things. and You need to add a third thing that you concentrate on to build momentum for it. And it could be that you need to start completely over. And and you know, there are some churches that just need to close the doors for a year or so and, and completely relaunch, as an example. So you have to determine where where am I starting from, and where, uh, before you can determine where you're going. And I would say uh, the other thing I would one of the f- phrases that I used. So this is this is trademark stuff. I never trademarked it, but it is, if you hear it, it came from me. Okay. As far as I can tell, I haven't seen it anywhere else is um, uh, reposition don't reinvent uh, or redirect don't reinvent a lot of times we, we think, okay, I'm the new leader here. I have to bring a new vision. Well, maybe you need, if you're stepping in, if you're, if you're starting from scratch, yes. Perhaps, although I still think you build your vision with other people, but if you're, if you're going into an existing organization, it's arrogant to come in assuming you're going to have all the answers and take them in a whole new direction, so the right answer is okay if, if, if I walk into a church and I've done this that's over a hundred years old, they didn't get to be a hundred years old without some good seasons in their history. So I wanna discover those moments and, and rebuild upon them, rediscover those moments, not reinvent their history. Because their history is their history. Mm -hmm. And what it does is when I come in with all the answers, or I come in assuming I'm going to, I'm the champion of the day, and I'm going to, is it pushes people into a corner where they have to defend themselves Mm -hmm. as if they've never done anything right at all, rather than saying, okay, let's, uh, what is, what's working here? What hasn't worked here? What has worked in the past and could work again? Mm -hmm. And begin to ask those questions and then build from those initial questions that we're asking.
0: I think that's so good. Ron, it reminds me of just the leadership that I've been under, whether it's in North Dakota or here in Minnesota is I've always been under some very healthy leadership. And one thing that they taught, even when I was interning in a church and um, a young adult at the young adult ministry that I was a part of, he had taught us always ask good questions, hmm. know who is in the room. Don't talk about yourself. Talk about the people and ask good questions, know their role, know their position. What can you learn from them and and ask questions about the history, like a SWOT analysis? What are the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities and threats, especially when you step into a role of leadership versus, you know, busting through the door saying, well, I'm here now, here's the vision. Like you said, there's a hundred years worth of history clearly something is working well wow. and there are some healthy seeds that have been planted and god has obviously put you in this this role or this position for a season there's always going to be somebody before us for the most part and probably always somebody after us so just realizing and really stewarding what god has given us including the people including the business or the church or the projects um, but then weeding out and asking the questions what needs to stay what needs to go and we know that we've seen that dozens of young adults that are realizing and recognizing that they need to stay or they need to go in regards to transitions transition of jobs going back to school finishing their degrees um, getting new roommates getting out of a relationship like all these different forms of transition but specifically i would ask you ron today for people going into or just coming out of a job change? Because you've alluded to that you've had at least 29 of them, right, throughout the, the years of your life. Um, when they're in that job change or that ministry transition, what advice do you have for them while they're in that season?
2: Well, I, I would say the way you transition um, into a position or out of a position will usually determine the success, the degree of success in the next season that you, you're heading into. So it's incredibly important that you do that well. And I, I would probably say, that, uh, and this is simple advice, that, that uh, but most of the, the best advice is simple advice, uh, is just uh, find a coach, find a mentor, find someone if you're walking into a new area, find someone um, in that new area that can walk alongside of you. If, you, if you're walking into a new position, like if I'm moving from a student pastor role into a lead pastor role, I'm going to find a lead pastor that can walk with me in that season. If I'm walking um, from this uh, church planting into church revitalization, I'm going to find some church revitalizer that I can Walk with a little while. Uh, if I'm starting a business, I'm going to find somebody who has started that business. So I just want to find somebody who's already there or already a few steps ahead of me, and just ask them if they'll walk through that season with me. And I, I think that's the 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 number one thing. You know, when we when we uh, when God puts something on our heart or when we get motivated and passionate about something we start to run because that's what it seems like we should do and and we probably should but uh we run best when we run with other. you know think about training for a marathon uh and I've done that too mm-hmm. um the you know we just run better when we're running with somebody that's and true. so uh we we're more likely to get out on the 18 mile run if somebody will run it with us
1: It's so true. And um, I think that one of the things that you just said is so important, who we surround ourselves, it kind of goes back to Mm -hmm. that teaming piece. And part of the team might look a little bit different. It might not be someone on the front lines in the trench. It almost might be building an outside advisor, teammate, coach who understands.
2: Yeah. I just blogged about that recently because I've always had a board of advisors for every position that I've had. Um, And that is usually been outside of my field. So in the church concept context, I've always had, you know, pastors that I'm, friends with and that sort of thing. But I've always had um, uh, a, a group of advisors. In fact, I just ran into one um, Sunday in the context that I'm in now, and, and he has had so much success in his career that I'm reaching out to him to see if he'll serve on this board of advisors for this new role. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I, they've usually been people who've been very successful in their context and uh, may or may they're, they're believers uh, but they're um, they're many times not in ministry just because uh, I'm I'm looking for different insight um, from them, and so I've just always had that, and uh, and and that's been probably one of the more suc- best things I've had, and that has had to change many times based on the context of where I'm at.
1: So good. I love it. And I want to go just for a second back to something that Mike had touched on, Mm -hmm. which was, um, I, I jotted it down because you were talking about like asking good questions and not talking about yourself. Mm -hmm. I started in ministry under pastor Jerry Stranquist. And he would tell us, we'd go to a conference as a team. And he would tell us, if I find you talking about yourself at this conference, you're fired. Mm -hmm. If, if I find you you're talking about what we're doing. No, go get some fresh ideas. Ask about their life. Ask about their family. Ask about what's working for you in your context. And um, so I just want to reiterate something like, and that built a muscle or a reflex that to this day, I find it a little bit hard to to share about myself in a context. Like Ron, I just ran into you at at a conference and so in those settings, I'm always, I try to always be the one asking
2: a question. And if it comes to me, I'll switch it back real quick. I, I love that. That's a great discipline. You know, one of the things I love to do with teams is periodically assign a scavenger hunt. So everybody goes out and, and just, we play a game. Who can come to the table with the best idea from outside our organization? And wow. so it's that same concept of just uh, asking good questions.
0: That's so fun. Well, we know that the next generation, the current generation, they're very innovative and uh, they are inside the church walls or outside of the church walls. And Ron, I'd just be interested to see why do you believe that young adult ministry is important or the demographic and the important pivotal moments of life between the ages of 18 and 30? Why is that 12 years so important in any young adult's life?
2: Well, let me give two answers. One of them is a personal one, and that is because I'm a grandpa and I want more grandchildren. So that's the number one reason right there is, um, it, you know, the I'm not producing new children. So I, I really need the younger generation to keep re- reproducing uh, because I, because I love being a grandfather. Uh, the, uh, the, the second one though is, is, is the one you're probably looking for it you know, I think everyone says they are our future and obviously they are our future. And that is um, um, so important that we not forget, but the other pieces is, is that is where the energy in the church or in the organization will be found. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, when you get older, I, I'm 58 and I still love a good idea. I was just in meetings this morning. I came up with a brilliant idea, I'm gonna trademark it and all that sort of stuff. So I can't share it yet here because I'm gonna. But it was a uh, involving Easter and how we're gonna celebrate Easter and and I. So I love ideas. I hope I never get tired of that. But I uh, I'm at a point in my life where I I'm, I see all these the young people on our staff jump off a, a brick wall. And I think, man, that would be so much fun, but I'm old enough to know that's not smart for me to do. It probably wasn't smart for them, but they went ahead and jumped anyway. And so we get more reserved in making, taking those risks as we get older and, and younger people are not as likely to. And so the, the, the margins are going to be tested By the next generation, not by my generation. And and it's in the margins where we find the next great discovery. And that leads to the other one is just the creativity of of the, uh, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And that's true. And that's also why you need the wisdom of age to, because there are some things that I could probably save you a lot of heartache on if you would listen to me. Uh, And you probably would listen to me. My two adult sons probably won't, but that's okay. They're going to have to figure it out for themselves. But if, but hopefully they're listening to older wisdom also. So there's some things, okay, that, that why, that's why we need to be generational in our churches, right? Uh, multi-generational. Um, but so there are some things that you can just learn from my experience. But there are some things we haven't discovered yet. Right. And my generation's probably not as likely to discover it as the next generation is.
0: Yeah, that's good. I was just thinking, I was talking to Josiah last night. We're watching Mickey Mouse, our... 21 month old loves Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And I was, just I love there. it. And I was like, I want to
2: come watch with <laughs> you. Can it's there's so like so fun.
0: many episodes? We've probably seen them all. I've seen, <laughs> I feel like I've seen them all 10 times, but it's probably false. That's awesome. But I mean, just even think about the creativity of how Walt Disney started. I mean, picture cartoons, it was just one little change of the, the, you know, the ink on the pages. And now you watch it and the color is so vibrant, the characters, the voices, the, like the I don't know, it's just so it's not just a flat screen, like they're zooming in and you're going down and seeing snowflakes. And I'm like, wow, what would Walt Disney think about the legacy that he started? Like, how pleased would he be? And I talked to like even parents, our grandparents' age from like indoor plumbing to TVs with remotes to telephones that have everything on them. Like just the infrastructure of the technology world has grown so immensely in the last 10 years let alone 100 years and it makes me just realize like what legacy of creativity are we leaving behind and creativity doesn't mean just like a, an ink and some paper I mean creativity can be an approach it can yeah. be a structure it can be so many different things and that's what we were talking about last night I'm just like wow like at the end of our life, what are we going to stand in awe? i like, remember when this was awesome. And I'm like, yeah. well, think about that in 2005 when we stopped that the smartphone was so amazing or the first, yeah. you know, the first Apple phones. That's and now right. I'm like, you watch a show, you're like, look at that flip phone. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen in 10 years from now? Our kids are going to be making fun of us for those silly things. <laughs> and
2: now some of the coolest people I know are going back to flip phones. I mean, I, I just it's like. It's you know.
0: true. They're durable. I'll tell you that much.
1: <laughs> and you know what? I think that, um, you know, to talk technology and innovation and the globalization, there's there's obviously benefits and there's also shadows of it.
0: Of you know? anything, though, right?
1: And and so I think the the willingness to try out some new technology, to try out a smartphone, but then to say like John Mark Comer does, like, okay, I'm gonna go grayscale on my phone or I'm gonna put limits because I forget who told me this that when our phones had uh, a line on them, we were free but now that our phones are cordless or wireless, mm. we're like chained it's, it's like a leash. Yeah. And uh, I think it might've been Tim Elmore. I think that was him. And I just look at like technology, we got to be willing to like take steps of mm-hmm. faith or try things, but then admit if it's like, you know what? Smartphones are bad for our souls. Okay. Then maybe it is a flip phone or maybe it's like I use this during the work day and then I put it to sleep or put it to bed in the drawer or something. And, but to be willing to admit the, the cutting edge side of it, but also to say, you know what, there's a shadow side and we've got to, we've got to be honest about it. And um, one of the questions that Micah taught me, I think of like our first baby appointments and we're like, we're new parents. We don't know anything. So what she would be like, so what should we be asking that we're not even thinking of asking? And and Ron, this might be advice for us, for the listener, Mm -hmm. but what's something that maybe you that we haven't asked you yet in this conversation, or, or young leaders haven't been asking you, but you wish that we would, or you wish that
2: they would? That's a great question. I don't know if I have a great answer to it, but it, the, the, uh, I guess what I would say is, um, uh, You know, there's an assumption, I I get this, you know, Jim Shepard with Generis. uh, we were at the same conference there, and he's a great friend. He said something to me at that conference, I'm going to quote him on this. Uh, He said, in my 20s, I thought I was the smartest person in the room. You may have heard him say this. In my 30s, I thought, well, there's a few people almost as smart as me. In my 40s, I was like, where'd they get all these smart people from, you know, there's a few people smarter than me. And in my fifties, I was like, "What? why did I get invited to the room? You know? Uh, and so the older you get, the more you realize what you don't know. And, and so I I wish I'd had that paradigm in my twenties and in my thirties to realize, because I had a ton of ideas and I had a ton of initiatives and I was running from opportunity to opportunity, which is why I had so many, you know, jobs. I wish I had had the, um, uh, the paradigm that of what I didn't know and just gone at it from that standpoint of, okay, slow down here every now and then not much. Cause I don't want to slow down too much. I want to go when I have the energy and the creativity, but slow down enough every now and then in those seasons of life, just to soak in wisdom from others. And I'm very thankful that I had, I grew up without a father. Mm-hmm. And so at the age of, of uh, 12, I became a wisdom seeker for men that, uh, that I could find any men that I could find to speak into my life. And later I've grown up and I actually learned from everybody now, you know, which is a great thing, but I, I, I really want, um, so I still am that, that person. And yet I probably met, took a few more risks and wasn't willing to listen. And those risks that I took could have been better launched had i been willing to listen to some of that wisdom along the way
0: i love that and even for the listener if you've grown up without a mom or a dad and you're looking for a mentor or a young young or older, I should say wiser and people who've gone before you, um, start asking and start praying start seeking God's counsel. And he's going to bring conversations and people your way. If you're willing to humble yourself to say, hey, I'm young, I don't know everything, but I want to learn more. And I see this portion of your life that I really, truly admire. I know that you're a God-fearing person. You're a person of prayer. You're a person that's going to call me out and up. You're a person that's going to come alongside. And and I just want to glean some wisdom from you in this area of, of life. For leadership. And I think that's a really big topic that maybe isn't talked about enough. We talk about leadership, but we don't talk about how we let other people lead us as a leader. You know, yeah. if we're the top of the pyramid or top of the, you know, whatever organization that we're running or the, the lead pastor or we really need to surround ourselves with people who can sharpen us and that can speak into our lives. And we want to hear you speak more into the lives of the listener today by sharing more about yourself, Ron. We have a challenge at the end. We do five and five. It's five questions in five minutes. Do you think you can handle that challenge?
2: Oh, sure. Yeah.
0: All right. Here's a two and one. What do your grandchildren, do they have a nickname for you?
2: They call me grandpa. They uh, yeah, okay. my, my daughter-in-laws call me the weakest link, but that's a, and they're somewhat similar.
0: All right. So with that question, what is your favorite thing about being a grandfather?
2: Oh man, just the, just the innocence of their, uh, you know, how they live their life. They just, uh, and it, it, there is a reason why I, I did an illustration, uh, recently for a message. So this is five and five and this type. Uh, I won't stretch it too far. Grandparenting is the closest expression of joy this side of eternity. So parenting is happiness and sadness all in, you know, some days are happy. Some days are sad. Some days you're angry. Like these kids are driving me nuts. (laughs) Grandparenting is always joy. It doesn't matter what they're doing. Even if they're doing wrong, there's still joy. And so you can't capture that. Yep. You, you can't explain joy to somebody. you can explain happiness to somebody. you can't explain genuine biblical joy and grandparenting fits in that category.
0: I love it.
1: I love it too and uh, second question if you were like going on a road trip or a flight between say Nashville and, and Kentucky, what are you picking up for a road trip snack?
2: Uh, pre- well that's not a very long trip so I may only get uh, but uh, if I was coming to Minneapolis, I would, I would choose pretzels and gummies.
0: All right. Well, you give us your address. We're going to send you some North Dakota Dots pretzels because that's where I'm from, and they fly awesome. off the shelf.
2: I love Dots pretzels. I haven't had any while, but I love them. Ooh. Grippos is where it's at down here, uh, yeah. but. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, we'll, you can send some our way. We'll exchange pretzels. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Here is a little bit of a curveball. If you could ask Josiah and myself one question today, what would you ask us?
2: Uh, That's a good question. I think I would ask which of you is smarter.
0: Oh man. Hmm. I think he's he's book smarter. I think definitely. I think I have street smarts and I can respond to emergency situations better.
2: (laughs) That was so true. Do do all agree with that? That's awesome. I love that. I I really do. What
0: do I do? I'm like, calm down.
2: That's great. You balance each other that way.
0: That's
1: really really cool. Balance each other on, and the fun part about it is, is like we're always learning. And I think we're all Levi Lesko just said this. Like we're all geniuses. It's figuring out what is your genius. And Mike is handy. She's got. We have tools in our garage because she has tools. That's awesome. I love it. Like she's done so much in our home to like renovate and demo and reno and all that stuff. And, and and but then there's stuff that I feel like I'm really competent or capable. It's not that, right? But there's other areas like reading. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like I also have the skill of how. How did I get there? Like how I ask the question is, can you believe we get to do this? Can you yeah. believe they said yes? Can, mm-hmm. you know, like so? I feel like I have some things that I bring to the table. It's just that's awesome.
0: we learn very differently, which is good and just have different passions because there's always a he, a she, and a we. And that's where we mm. we like to have fun. So and we can do it by ourselves too. So it's no, we never that's get bored,
2: right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, how about this? What is your favorite sports
2: team? You know. I have to say, UK basketball. And I say that because I'm in Lexington. I went to the game uh, Saturday against Tennessee. I'm from Tennessee, but I had great seats. And so if I say that, I'll keep getting good seats.
1: Hey, and <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns, he comes yeah. from there and uh, awesome. he, plays, he plays for the Wolves now. But awesome. Thank you.
0: Sure does. All right. This is the fifth question already five and five all right here. If you could tell a group of pastors or young adult ministry leaders mm. one thing if we hand you the microphone today, what would you leave them
2: with? never waste a connection. Um, every connection matters in life. one because they're children of God and they matter to God and two because you never know how that connection is going to come back around at some point.
0: That's true. I tell that, I told that to the students. I was 27 years old, went back to school and I sat there in the, in the, in the classrooms thinking, oh my gosh, these are our future leaders. Am I going to be working in their church? Are they going to be working in our church when we lead? And it's like, you never know who you're going to be working for or who's going to be working for you or whatever. So I love that. Don't burn connections or communication bridges and so good
1: man and ron i feel like um we're still getting to know each other and i hope we get to keep doing that but one of the things i acknowledge you for is we were in i think we were in nashville at a um event together and during the event it was like you were looking for me you were texting me connections you were introducing me to people Mm -hmm. and i feel like man, I just acknowledge you for that and honor you for that, that you've been generous with your connections, even cool. as an undeserving young leader. And I am really grateful and I'm encouraged today to, to not waste those connections. And yeah,
2: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: Love it. So Rob, we just want to say thanks so much for uh, investing Thank in Mike you and I and having this conversation.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much. I enjoyed it.
0: Absolutely. Well, if you want to find out more about Ron Edmondson, when you you could do that, when you connect with us on our website at youngadults.today, as well as across all of our other social media platforms at youngadults.today. Until next time, this is Micah and Josiah Keneally signing off.
1: Thanks guys.